So we do continue on in this series of Galatians. And as a reminder, what we have been seeing is Paul, an apostle sent by Jesus Christ, being firm about the seriousness of turning from the one true gospel to any false gospel. And we especially saw that two weeks ago in verses 6 through 9. And then last week in verses 10 through 12, we saw some of the main reasons why Paul is so adamant about why there's only one true gospel. And as a reminder of what we saw there, last week we saw his two main reasons for why he's so serious about this is first, in verse 10, because he says he's simply just trying to please Christ and serve Christ, not men. And then second, and climactically, in verses 11 and 12, it's because he says, in the end, this gospel, this good news about Jesus Christ, isn't from any man, but it literally was directly revealed to Paul by Jesus. And that's where we stopped, with Paul saying that last week in verse 12. And as we said then, that's really then the ultimate argument for the truthfulness of this message about Jesus. Because we'd have to say that if that is true, which it is, if it's true, then in reality, the risen Jesus revealed this one true gospel to Paul, then proof over. That brings us to this week. So last Sunday, if you remember, each one of our verses started with that word for or because, which showed that Paul was making a logical argument and reasoning with us. And I point that out because now this week in verse 13, our verse again starts with the word for. You can see that in verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. And this then shows us what Paul is doing now. So he's been firm about the true gospel. And he said that ultimately his message is is the true gospel because Jesus revealed it to him. But now what he's going to do this morning and for the rest of chapter 1 into chapter 2 is that he'll back all that up with his own life story and how Jesus changed it. And so that's what we're going to see this week and next week. We'll see Paul's story and how it further proves his faith and his apostleship. Which brings us then to an outline of how we're going to go through our section this morning, our time this morning. So to cover this section of scripture, we're going to have two major sections, two major sections. First, what we'll do first is we're actually just going to go through the whole passage and just see Paul's story here. And this would be more just explaining the text. But then second, with that covered, we'll then go back through and we'll see what aspects of what Paul says here about his story also apply to us and our stories as Christians as well. So Paul and then us. And we'll do it this way because on the one hand, right, we need to know that we're obviously not Paul and we're especially not apostles. And so it's good for us first to see what Paul meant by what he said and, what, and how what he said further confirms his apostleship and his gospel. But then, again, with all of that covered, then we'll also see what in his story does apply to us. So those are our two sections, the passage in Paul, and then second, the passage in us. Well, it said, though, let's then begin our first section this morning and see Paul's story here in this passage. And to go through then the rest of these verses in chapter 1, we're going to see three parts to how Paul tells his story. And it's similar to how many of us would tell our stories as well, three parts. And they're first, his life before Christ. And then second, his coming to know Christ. Then third, his life after coming to know Christ. So before Christ and after, and we'll take those one at a time. 
So let's first begin with what Paul says about his life before Christ. And this will be in verses 13 and 14, but we'll start with just verse 13. So look in your Bibles. It's Galatians 1, verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. So as you can see, Paul right away in defending his own testimony talks about his former life in Judaism. So he's talking about his previous religiousness, if you will, how he was very involved in Judaism. But more important than just that is that ending to that verse, which shows us what that religiousness led him to do. And that's famously how Paul, quote, persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And it's here that that Paul wants us to see that although he was religious, although he was even in Judaism, he actually wasn't on God's side. And we know that because notice, he doesn't just say that he persecuted the church. Instead, Paul is clear that in his Judaism, he was trying to destroy the very church, the very assembly of God. And so that's the, the bleak and dark reality of Paul's past in verse 13. But that then leads us to verse 14, which at first kind of has a different tone. But remember, this is still Paul before Christ. Look down in your Bibles, verse 14. He continues, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So as you can see in verse 13, it was about him violently trying to destroy God's church. But now here, in verse 14, on the face of it, it seems a little more positive. He was advancing beyond most people of his age in in Judaism, meaning he was a stellar religious example. And he was extremely zealous for the traditions of his fathers, meaning he was on fire, as we might say. And yet, his whole point here is still that in all that, he was lost. Yes, in his life he was advancing. Yes, he was zealous and on fire. But for him and for all of us, Right? We know mere advancement and mere emotions aren't necessarily the point. Instead, the question is, what are you advancing in? What are you zealous about? And for Paul, the answer was his tradition-focused Judaism, which unbeknownst to him, wasn't pleasing God. And so that's Paul before Christ. But then, as is often the case by God's grace and testimonies like this, After that comes that glorious word, but, which starts verse 15, which shows the contrast of what's to come. And it's here in verse 15 and in part of verse 16 that we'll now see Paul talk about how he came to know Jesus Christ. So let's look at that now. We'll read all of verse 15 and then just the first clause of verse 16. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me. We'll stop there. So as we said, Paul is talking about his coming to know Christ here, but really notice how he decides to talk about it. Because he gives three things to describe it, and each of them, notice how Paul really emphasizes that it was God's doing. Because first, Paul says that God set me apart before I was born. 
And as you can see in the ESV footnote there, most literally, Paul says, God set me apart from my mother's womb. And to begin, this does show us that that Paul was still Paul in his mother's womb, according to him here, which, of course, is important for us these days to really know and to believe. And then along with that, this also shows us that God knew Paul. He had his eyes set on Paul even back then in his mother's womb. And that's all important and true. And yet biggest of all, as you can see, is that Paul wants it to be known that this being set apart by God happened all the way back then. All the way back in his mother's womb, which means it happened before he was able to do anything. (laughs) Or, Or able to earn or grant God's doing this to him. And that's really then why Paul starts off this way in his conversion. Because we might wonder, why mention God doing this to you before you were even born? And the answer we know, especially because Paul talks like this in other places like Romans 9, is he wants it to be clear that this setting apart isn't earned. Right? There wasn't something that Paul did to earn his God doing this to him. Not at all. Instead, it's the opposite. Paul wasn't even born. And yet God did something. He set Paul apart. So this is the second thing Paul says, and it's coming to know Christ in verse 15. Quote, and who called me by his grace. Right, and this further builds on and it clarifies what he means by that set apart before born. Because it builds on it because now with this idea of calling, he goes in the next step of the progression about how he was saved. We'll talk more about that in our second section this morning. But then this also clarifies what he means by set apart before I was born. Because now he's making it really plain. God called him by his grace. And as we know, this idea of grace is a huge part of the true gospel, of Paul's gospel. Because when you read the New Testament, if you want to think about it this way, the, the way we're saved is by Jesus and what he did alone. And how we access that salvation is through trusting Jesus or through faith. But then, when it comes to explaining how our salvation happened or how it happens, the answer is consistent. It's all by grace. Meaning, there isn't any earning. It's it's not ever that God saw us seek Him and then He responded because that wouldn't be grace. That'd be slightly earning it. Instead, for Paul and for us, it's all grace. So it's the final thing Paul says about his coming to know Christ here, and that's found in the first clause of verse 16. He was pleased to reveal his son to me. And so again, as you can see, this is also the next step in the progression. So we have set apart before born, then called, and then God reveals Jesus to Paul. And once again, this written is, This again is written in a way to emphasize God's doing. And we'll talk about this again more in our next section, but to really bring this home, even right now, think for a second what Paul is really saying here. Because this is basically Paul explaining the moment he came to know Jesus. His actual conversion in faith, technically. And Paul, explaining that, could have said, and then I found Christ, like we often say. Or he could have said, and then I believed in Jesus, which would, of course, be true. Or he could have said, then I finally gave my life to Jesus. So he could have said anything like that. But instead, very carefully, 
What does the inspired Paul decide to say about his conversion? Well, he says that when he really finally came to know Christ, what ultimately was happening was that God happily revealed Jesus to Paul. (laughs) And even hearing that, you can sense the direction in that statement, right? It isn't upward. It isn't Paul finding Christ finally. It isn't isn't Paul reaching up to God finally. Instead, it's God acting, revealing Jesus to Paul. Which finally leads to the third and final part of Paul's story here. Seen Paul before Christ. We saw Paul's coming to know Christ. And now we'll see what he decides to say about his life right after coming to know Christ. For this will be in the rest of the chapter, verses 16 through 24. And yet, and yet before we even read those, it's helpful uh, for us to remember the actual context of this letter and why Paul is writing this about his story. Because as you'll see in these verses, what's about to happen is Paul is really going to stress that after he came to know Christ, he had this purpose of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, and he did that. But also, and emphatically in these verses, you'll see him make the point, over and over that in those early years he didn't go see all the other apostles he says he taught he went and saw peter for a mere 15 days and he saw james for a little while and then he talks about seeing the apostles in chapter two but here in chapter one his big point is he wants to be clear he did not see all the other apostles right away and if you're wondering why in the world he'd make such a big deal about that the reason is because remember This whole story here is trying to prove his point from verse 12, that he received the gospel directly from Jesus and not from any man. And so here in the years right after his conversion, his goal is to show that he had the same apostolic authority and gospel even before he really talked to all the other apostles. That makes sense. But all that said, let's not read the rest of the chapter. Verses 16 through 24, seeing Paul's story after he came to know Christ. When he was pleased to reveal his son to me, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. So as you can see, all the way back in the middle of verse 16, God had a purpose when he saved Paul. He saved him, quote, in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And we'll come back to that a lot more next week because that's really emphasized in chapter 2. But then after that, in verse 16, look down your Bibles and just track with me as we trek through the rest of these verses to see what Paul did early on in his, after his conversion. So to begin in the rest of verse 16, if you look down, he didn't consult with anyone. Right, which again makes clear he wants it to know that this gospel isn't from any man. And then in verse 17, he says he didn't go to Jerusalem to see the apostles, but he went away into Arabia, which is honestly an event in his life we don't know too much about. 
Then in verse 18, after three years, Paul then finally does go to Jerusalem, but he only sees Cephas for a mere 15 days. As a quick side note, Cephas was simply Peter's Aramaic name. His birth by name was Simon, right? And then Jesus famously named him Cephas because Jesus spoke Aramaic and Cephas means rock. And then rock in Greek is Peter. But then after that, in verses 19 and 20, Paul once again makes it crystal clear that besides Peter and James, he saw none of the other apostles. Right? Again, making this point over and over, even stronger here saying, before God, I do not lie. Verse 21, he travels around to more regions of the gospel. And then coming to a close, verses 22 and 23, he makes it clear that the Judean churches, and that was the region where Jerusalem and the apostles were, they still didn't know him in person, showing that he hadn't spent much time there. And yet they were hearing of him and how he was amazingly now preaching the gospel, the gospel of faith in Jesus. Which finally leads to verse 24 and the result of all of this in Paul's story. What's the result? Quote, and they glorified God because of me. So I know it's a lot, but in a nutshell, that's then Paul's story. His life before Christ, his coming to know Christ, his early years right after Christ. He was zealous before Christ and religious, but he's still living against God. But then God set Paul apart already before he was born. God called Paul by his grace. God revealed Jesus to Paul. And then finally, after that, Paul is clear he doesn't go and learn the gospel from the other apostles since he already heard it as an apostle from Jesus himself. But he goes and preaches Christ all over, all to the glory of God. That's our first section this morning, and that's our whole passage. But again, that finally leads us to our second section. And here we're going to see how Paul's story is similar to our story as Christians. And remember on this, the reason we're going through our time like this this morning, Paul and then us, is because technically this isn't our story. It's Paul's. And technically and surely we are not apostles like he is. So there's a lot here that does not directly apply to us. And in fact, this passage of Scripture is primarily meant to show the Galatians and to show us that we should trust Paul, right? And trust his gospel because his gospel is Jesus' gospel. We've been talking about that for a few weeks. And yet all that said, again, there still is a lot here in Paul's story that we know is true of us and our stories too. All because Paul and other biblical writers say similar things like Paul says about himself here. And so it's in finding those similarities that can help us see ourselves in this story. And so in order to do this, what we're going to do now is we're going to go through, back through each section and we'll see some things that Paul said about himself that also apply to you and I as Christians. And we'll be relying on other scriptures that do directly talk about us in order to do that. So with all that said, let's start again with our stories now before Christ. And if you recall, we were in verses 13 and 14 on this for Paul. But as a reminder, let's just reread those verses again. You'll see why. Let's reread them. Verses 13 and 14 in Galatians 1, Paul said, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So that was Paul's life. But then concerning us, Most likely, by God's grace, none of us were persecuting Christians or advancing in Judaism before we came to know Christ. 
And yet, what's unique about how Paul says these verses about his life before Christ is I think in, it's in essence quite similar to what he says in other places about all Christians and all of us before we came to know Christ. And this is especially the case when we compare these two verses here in Galatians to Ephesians 2, 1, and 3, 1 through 3, which is a famous text where Paul talks about all Christians, about us, before we came to know Christ. And I say that because here in Galatians 1, we see how Paul talks about his former way of life and how in that former way of life he was walking in sin all while being passionate and zealous. And now hearing that, compare that to what we hear in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. It's not an identical quotation or anything, but the overall ideas are similar. So this is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and this is true of all of us before we came to know Christ. Quote, and you were dead. And the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And so according to Ephesians 2, what did all of our lives look like before Christ? Well, we were spiritually dead, living in an old way of life, which is similar to kind of what Paul says about himself in verse 13 here. And also, though, while being dead, we were still living out of our passions and our desires, which is similar to what Paul says in verse 14 here. And so all that said, comparing that from Ephesians 2 to here in Galatians 1, I think Paul would agree if we said that Galatians 1, verses 13 and 14 here, is simply how Ephesians 2 specifically looked for Paul. right? Meaning persecuting the church, advancing in Judaism, being zealous for tradition, is what being dead in sin and walking in the passions and the desires of the flesh looked like for the Apostle Paul. And for us then, although it doesn't look exactly the same, the point I hope we all see is that in rough sketch, the pattern is still the case. Because before we came to know Christ, we had a former way of life. Whether that way lasted only a few years because you came to know Christ at a young age, or whether that way lasted long into adulthood. And in that way of life, while we didn't know God, we weren't doing nothing. Right? Instead, we were living in our passions and our desires. And yet, the big point of this story in Galatians 1 and of Ephesians 2 is that But, amazingly, God saves people like that. He really does. And so for us on this section, the application is quite simple. It's it's to think about and look at your former way of life and see how you too were going the wrong way and then just be amazed at God's grace. So that's how Paul's story before Christ is similar to ours. But now we'll move on to see how his coming to know Christ is similar to ours as well. And for this, if you remember, we were in verses 15 and part of verse 16. And there we saw how God set Paul apart before he was born, how God called Paul by his grace, and how God revealed Jesus to Paul. And hearing all that, I hope you know that all of those are similar to us as well. Because although we aren't set apart or called to be apostles, still what's interesting about what Paul says here is that similar phrases are also said elsewhere of all Christians and how we come to know Christ. And so all of those things apply, but specific for this this morning, 
It's on those last two phrases that we'll focus on for a bit. Namely, how we're also called by God's grace and how we too know Jesus because God reveals him to us. Now, I want us to take a minute and do this because the Bible actually talks about this a lot. And that's because it's really helpful and sanctifying for us to know and understand how any of us became Christians, right? And why we're Christians at all. And of course, multiple messages could be given on this. We'll only scratch the surface here. But again, Paul said these things of himself and they're true of us. So what do they mean? So first, let's think about this idea of saying, God called me by his grace. Right? We already talked about the importance of grace. But along with that, this idea of calling. And specifically, individual calling, like it is here in Galatians 1 with that called me. This idea is something in Paul's letters that he didn't just use to talk about his own calling as a Christian, as an apostle, but he also used it to talk about God's calling on every individual Christian as well. And there's especially two places where Paul gets more specific about this. 1 Corinthians 1 and Romans 8. For the sake of time, we won't turn to either, but I'll just read you a portion of each of those so that we all may better understand in what way we as Christians should also say, God called me by His grace. So begin, hear this from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. As for a little context, in this chapter in 1 Corinthians, Paul's making the point that the, the gospel goes out to all nations and all peoples, both Jews and Gentiles now. And yet on their own, for different reasons, people reject Jesus and reject the gospel. And then though, all of a sudden, Paul then goes on in this chapter to explain how anyone does believe. And his main point is that they, we, believe not because we're any better, not because we're any wiser, but simply because God called us. So that said, now hear this from 1 Corinthians 1, verses 23 and 24. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's amazing. So in other words, again, the gospel is proclaimed. It was back then, it still is, to both Jews and Gentiles all over the world. And yet, according to the Apostle Paul, who are those who believe? They are those from both Jews and Gentiles who first and fundamentally were called by God and His grace. Like Paul says in Galatians 1 here. And then, it's because of that calling that they then, that we believe. Same is true in Romans chapter 8 where Paul talks about this topic of calling again. Because there, Paul writes about what has been titled this golden chain of salvation. And he says this in Romans 8.30. For those, the people whom God predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. And again, we could spend a long time on that. But as you hear that, you can see the chain, right? The progression. How God saves sinners like us. Right? First, Paul said God predestines, which I know sounds like a scary word, but in Greek, it just means a trajectory, a future given by God beforehand. And then second, after that, comes our topic of being called. So God calls people. 
And then after that comes being justified, which we know is by faith. So now faith comes in. And then finally comes our future glorification. So predestined, called, justified, glorified. But for our sakes this morning, I hope just hearing that, you can then see that a big part of each of our salvations is God's calling. And and so I know that's a lot, but the reason that's helpful and why that actually has implications for how we think about this and live our lives is that, again, I hope we can each, each really believe that before we came to know Christ, like Paul says himself in Galatians 1 here, we should say, man, God called me by His grace. And this means He didn't call us because of anything we did or because of anything He saw in us or saw us do. Again, the Bible says He called me by His grace. And so to Him be all the thanks and all the praise. And that's then why, really quickly, why what Paul says in the next verse, in verse 16 to start, about God revealing Jesus to him, makes sense for us as well. So we're called by grace. And then, according to what we've been seeing in the Bible, what happens to those who are called? Well, remember 1 Corinthians 1 and Romans 8 and see it here. When someone is called, God at some point reveals Jesus to them. So they're believed and justified. And to be clear on this, remember, this idea of, being, of Jesus being revealed, it isn't just Paul who spoke like this, about how this is what ultimately enables us to believe. It's not mainly Paul. Instead, as you might know, it was Jesus himself who was pretty clear about this. And during his ministry, he said, quote, No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Same exact word from Jesus. Or it was Jesus again who said, when Peter for the first time confessed and believed Jesus to be the Christ, Christ, Jesus said, quote, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, same word, but my Father who is in heaven. Meaning, Peter, God revealed me to you. That's what Jesus is saying. And so all that said, in brief, that's how Paul's coming to know Christ in verses 15 and 16. is like our coming to know Christ as well. Yes, we believe in Jesus. Yes, we accept Jesus. And both of those are important biblical ideas. But underneath and behind all of that, as we've said and we'll keep on saying, is the emphasis on God and His doing. See, in the Bible, he does the setting apart. He does the calling. He does the revealing. Or to say it most simply, as the Old Testament says over and over, all of salvation really is of the Lord. Or as the New Testament and the apostles say over and over, we really are saved totally by grace. Which finally leads us to our last section, how we'll see Paul's coming how, how Paul's life after coming to know Christ is similar to ours. And it's on this point that we'll start to come to a close. So, so I know we've seen a lot about Paul and us and before Christ and how we came to Christ like Paul. And in all that, we have emphasized God's doing. And rightly so, because I hope you see it in the Bible yourself. God is the main actor in all of this. But with all that said, guess then what we'll also see about Paul and our lives after our conversion. Well, to remind yourself, look at verse 24. 
So Paul was changed like this. He was traveling around. He was preaching Christ. But how does he sum up how the people responded to all that? Quote, and they glorified God because of me. And this shows that in Paul's mind and in the people's mind who heard of Paul, Paul was changed and traveled and preaching and working hard. But who got the credit for it? God. Because it was ultimately God who was working through Paul. And so for us, this is true as well. Because even what we do after our conversion is ultimately God working through us. And so he really gets all the glory. And yet... All that being true, the very last thing I want us to leave with this morning is that final part of verse 24, which is why the whole verse is the title of this message, as you can see in your bulletin, because I think it neatly summarizes Paul's story and our story as Christians as well. So as we've been saying, ultimately our conversions and our Christian lives are God's doing. He snatches us out of our deadness. He sets us apart. He calls us. He gives us faith. He saves us. And then our lives after knowing Christ, it's still Him, right? As Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so in it all, as verse 24 says, to God be all the glory. And yet, notice the end of verse 24. It almost sounds awkward. Quote, and they glorified God because of me. <laughs> now, there's two ways to read that. Right? One, that's very incorrect. And one, that fits with everything we've been saying. First, the very incorrect way would be reading that with a huge emphasis on the because of me part. Right? They glorified God, sure, but it's really all about me. <laughs> and of course, if you're tempted to read a verse like this like that, or if you're tempted to think that your Christian life is really mainly about you and what you can do for God, I, I hope you've seen this morning that that's just not the emphasis in God's Word. And so that's not what Paul means. But the second and the correct way to read a verse like this isn't the opposite error, which would just ignore the because of me part. And I will admit that sometimes Christians and, and pastors like myself who really want to show from the Bible that it's all God's doing and God's glory can make it sound like the because of me part doesn't really exist here. Or practically, we can make it sound like the because of me part of our stories doesn't really matter that much. But I hope you see it does. Right? We really do matter. And this means that we should read a, a Bible verse like this and say, yes, God be glorified. To Him be all the glory. And yet, amazingly, He often can be glorified because of me. Because of what I do. Because of who I am. And so as we close with all that said about Paul's story and our story and how God gets the glory for it all, still, I hope you know that the Bible and teaching all of that still tells us with crystal clarity that what you and I do is still really important. And that's true not only because what you and I do can dishonor God like when we sin, but also it's true because of what we see at the end of verse 24 here. <laughs> that because of what you and I do, because of what you and I are like as Christians, it can really lead to God being glorified or not. And that's then why you can see, I think this verse is a great summary of our message and, and what Paul said about his story and our story. Because looking at Paul and our stories, we need to keep 
both these two things in mind. Two things. First and most important is God, is Jesus, and His saving us, and His grace, and His glory in our lives. But then also, second, is remembering the ending of verse 24 here. The because of me. Meaning it's ultimately God's doing, and to God be all the glory, but also it's our doing too. Our working. Our believing the real gospel. Our trying to spread Jesus. Our prayer and Bible reading. Our fighting of sin. Our trying to really love people. Now to be super clear, when we say that it isn't 50% God and 50% us, nor is it even like 99% God and 1% us. Instead, like if you were here last year when we talked about this from Philippians 2, from the Bible's perspective, It's always that we will and work and all the while at the same time, it's God who gets the credit because he is the one who wills and works through us. So all that said, brothers and sisters, it's therefore be thankful after a passage like this that like Paul, although before we knew Christ, we too were living in our sin and going in our own way, God saved us. And let's glorify God, not ourselves, because in our salvation and in our Christian living, it ultimately is all His grace. And though at the same exact time, as we leave here, let's remember the tremendous privilege and responsibility that we now have as Christians, as people who love Jesus and represent Him to the world. And that's that because of what we do, because of how we live and who we are by God's grace, people really can glorify God because of us. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Let's pray.